Hey, what's going on, guys? I hope you've had a fantastic week. I hope you've had a magnificent start to your week this week and this week. I hope your week's been fucking amazing. My week, how do you say? Uh, it's been pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good so far for my week. Uh, what happened? Let me describe my week to you. So this week, I went and did an open mic again, you know? Because that's a thing we're doing now. That's a thing that we've committed to. And we're going to stick with it. And last night, how did the open mic go? Well, pretty fucking good. Pretty fucking good. Back on, you know, back on the gravy train of good performances, good solid outings. Got up there, talked about uh, some of the stories from the bouncing days, from the work in security and nightclubs, all that jazz. And uh, a couple of other work-related stories there, or jokes that, uh, yeah, some of, them we, uh, some of them we might not keep. Some of them we might not keep, but most of them seem to hit pretty, pretty fucking well. <coughs> Sorry that, technical difficulties. But, um, yeah. Yeah, open mic last night at the Good Times Comedy Club. Again, it was, it was the fucking busiest I've seen it in the... Three times I've been there. But, uh, yeah, it was a real good crowd, real good night. Tim Bat, the host, was pretty fucking funny. Seemed like a real good dude. Gave me my props. So, you know, if you give me compliments, I like you. That's how this works. But, yeah, fucking good night, good night, good time. Fuck, it's a rush, bro. Fuck, it's a rush. You just, you just honestly, I just honestly want to mainline that fucking feeling. If they could bottle that feeling that I get coming off that stage after I've done pretty well. My, wo- my jokes have worked well. I haven't forgot, didn't forget anything. Didn't forget a single thing I wrote down. You know, hit all my punchlines, hit all the jokes I was trying to land. And the crowd responded about better than expected. So, you know, when that happens, fucking just get high as a fucking cunt. Honestly. Honestly, boys, it's just... Oh, oh, it's like, I imagine, you know, not that I've done heroin, but it's a, it's definitely like a heroin and an MDMA type high, like fucking hell, man. I tried, tried to get to sleep before like midnight last night. Fucking, was just wired, bro. Just fucking wired. It was up till about 2.30 in the morning. Fucking so wired. I got real hungry and decided to order 1am Maccas this morning, which is always a fucking horrible idea, but I did not give a fuck, because yeah bro, I was, I was floating, I was floating, so we're going to be chasing that high for the rest of my life I think, I think that's going to be the struggle of my life, it's never going to be as good as the first time, it's going to continue to diminish, it's going to continue, my my tolerance is going to build, or uh, the only, the only way I'm going to be able to mitigate that is if I up the dosage and the strength and the, you know, of this drug by just getting the the, the biggity, 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 big, big, big arena shows. Speaking of big arena shows, Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle, the legend, the legend Dave Chappelle came to Christchurch on Tuesday night. That was two nights ago. Fucking hell, I told you boys that it was a good week. First work rush, and the night before we're seeing fucking one of the biggest legends in comedy come to our hometown. He came to our hometown. 
again to this hometown. When's he ever going to come to this hometown? Honestly. Fucking, but you know, he came. We went and we saw. We lined up on the hottest day we've had in a while, other than that other hot day we had two weeks ago, but still a pretty fucking hot day. We went and we lined up outside the arena here in Christchurch, just called Christchurch Arena. You know, they're not able to get any fucking sponsorship on the an arena in this shithole city. But uh, Christchurch Arena, thing was pretty packed. They kept dropping the ticket prices though, that pissed me off. We bought our tickets basically the day they came out. I think I even got fucking, yeah, I think I got on the early bird, whatever they call that, fucking pre-sale. Got in so early. I was probably one of the earliest cunts to buy our tickets. But yeah, man. Fucking hilarious show. Can't remember the name of the guy that was the opener. We couldn't fucking hear half of it. I'll get to that in a second. Then Jeff Ross comes out. Big surprise. Fucking hilarious. You know, Mr. Roast Battle Jeff Ross. Ugly motherfucker, I have to say. But fucking hilarious. Crusher had this one bit about the Queen of England getting fucked by prince philip and it was one of the probably probably the biggest laugh of the night from all from all comedians concerned and then don l rollins came out as second last act before big dave and fuck me he was pretty funny too won't ruin any of his bits he's apparently got a special coming out in the next couple of months Chappelle said that at the end of the show so said he's helping produce it and direct it and get it out there so that'll be exciting. We're going to have to check that one out, even though we've probably seen most of the material from it. But uh, he came on and then Dave, big Dave Chappelle, big Davey boy Chappelle. In the main event, came out, fucking crushed it. It was an absolutely epic night. Fucking not going to ruin any of his bits because it looks like he's got another Netflix special coming out very soon. He kind of gave away the title for that, had the graphics up for it. Just fucking, yeah, man. Overall fucking good night. Just seeing an absolute legend, master of his craft. Just sitting there ripping cigs. That was the coolest part of it, I reckon. He just was, he was just drinking and just sucking back the cigs. Just getting up there, fucking talking his shit. Smoking packs, drinking tequila. That's what he said was his drink of choice. But, uh, yeah, man, but now, 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 now to the negatives and the negatives of all to do with everything that's fucking wrong with this country. And that's the people, the people, the people in the crowd, the people that were there, the people that were running the event all fucking sucked. They were all fuckwits. First of all, let's start with the event organizers. The line was ridiculous. You'd think. Like, you'd think they'd never, ever sold out that arena before, that the entrances for it are only, like, suitable for fucking crowds of a thousand people or less when it's a fucking 6,000-seat arena. But you'd think fucking, you know, they would have more than four doors open to get everybody in there. But no, they don't. They only had four doors, and it took fucking forever. We got there pretty early. We got there about, like, 40 minutes before the show was going to kick off. And we were in there 10 minutes before. Like, it was... So, can't imagine how shit it was for fucking cunts that showed up, like, 15 minutes before the show was on. And then had to get in, like, halfway through... Like, you know, halfway through the second act. Like, people were still coming in. Like, when Jeff Ross was up, when they missed the opener. 
And that's what fucked me off because there was this group of people that were causing a fucking ruckus three rows in front of us for the like half of the opening act. It was just like, oh, I think they're in our seats. Oh, what? No, they're not in our seats. Oh, hey, you're in our seats. Why don't you guys have to get up? It's like, no, we're not in your seats. And he was like, oh, shut up, guys. Sit down. He's like, oh, well, but they're in our seats. And then they just sat down and they didn't move. Like, those cunts that were adamant that the other cunts were in their seats. Kind of just sat there in the seats that were there. Like, it was... Like, I think it was pretty clear they were fucking retards. And they were in the wrong seat. They, they were in the right seats, and they were fucking idiots for thinking that those guys were in their seats. So that guy fucked us off. Really, really, really started to put a damper on the night. And it was just, you know... Because so many people were coming in that late, like, and because it was pitch black, it was a, and it was a phone where no one was allowed their phone, so like you couldn't see anything, and it was just people murmuring, talking, like fucking trying to figure out where where to go, and it was just this baseline of just murmuring noise of people talking, clearly no one paying attention, while this guy's trying to crack jokes in front of us, like it was just shit. Because he was saying some funny shit, a couple of things that I heard, I laughed too, and I think. I don't even want a greatest performance because I'll give him the benefit of doubt and say that like his best shit was the shit I couldn't even fucking hear because all I'd hear is the cunt in front of us talking and then just the crowd, rest of the crowd that was actually paying attention momentarily, momentarily laughing. And yeah, it was just a fucking nightmare. It was a shit show. It was fucking ridiculous. So I don't know. I think on that front, I'll put equal blame on the people and the fucking people running the event, because, like, these cunts were being were probably assholes thinking they could show up late to a comedy show. Like, comedy show's not something you show up late for. Like, get there on time, don't be a cunt. Like, you know, you just don't, you gotta, you just, because especially, like, you don't know who's going on, how many acts are gonna be there, you know. You don't wanna be that guy that fucks it up for everybody that comes in mid show and distracts the whole audience. So the people are partly to blame, and because so many people were lining up for drinks, that's the other thing, the drink lines were horrendous. Like, it's such a shitter, like, everything in this city and in this country, like, we think we've got first world facilities, but honestly, like, we don't. We're borderline develop, developing fucking on the cusp of a third world country in terms of our facilities, like... How does our arena not have multiple bars on multiple levels that are big enough to feed alcohol to the majority of its patrons? Like, this is fucking... You think we're in fucking Botswana or something? Botswana, where, you know... I don't know. What, do they have one bar for their, their one arena? Shit, they probably don't even have security. Like, Botswana's bureaucratic process is probably a lot less bullshit than the ones we have to face here in New Zealand. But yeah, man, that was, that was the main damper in the night. Like at least, like at least I could, you know, it was still annoying during Jeff Ross and like borderline disrespectful, but at least I could hear all his jokes and they were funny enough that didn't really give a fuck. But honestly, man, and then on the way out, just fucking, fucking just, oh, it took forever. But hey, positive, positive in, in the process of lining up and all that shit. Saw legend crusaders legend and all black joe moody lining up not far away from us good lad obviously has a good sense of humor 
And on that, fucking how's this for a transition? Super Rugby. Super Rugby starts up this weekend. Starts up tomorrow as we record this on a Thursday. Starts tomorrow. Super Rugby. And fucking hell. I don't know if I give a fuck. I'm trying. I'm actually trying to give a fuck. I want to give a fuck. This is my mindset with rugby this year. I want to give a fuck. I want to fall back in love with rugby. I'm willing to put my step foot, my step forward, put my left foot forward because I'm a left footed. I'm left footed. No, I'm not. I'm right. I'm not even. I'm not even footed. That's how shit I am at kicking a ball. But anyway, I'm gonna put my best foot forward and open, be open and honest with rugby and say, hey, look, I know I said some things. You did some things. I, I can't expect you to be the same. You know, the same person that I fell in love with like 20 years ago. Like, that's ridiculous. Okay. Things have changed, things evolve over time. I can't expect you to be the same old rugby from my childhood that I fell in love with. Can't expect you to be the same, even the rugby you were two or three years ago that was still tolerable and where you got the All Blacks actually won like games and shit. I can't expect you to be the same and be stagnant. Like I changed, I've changed. I'm willing to admit that maybe part of the problem here is that I've also evolved in a way where rugby is less important to me in my life. But I'm willing, I'm willing to put those things aside. I'm willing to put those things aside and open myself to then beginning a relationship with rugby again. Not playing, like don't get in the, don't 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 think that this is that because you know my my playing days are behind me. It's not going to be maybe that's it. Maybe you know because even then I was playing and I was starting to fall out of love with it. So it wasn't the fact that I stopped playing. Maybe that's it. Just playing, just. But anyway, we're not trying to we're not trying to psychoanalyze me here. We're trying to psychoanalyze rugby. That's that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing, and we're, we're, we're going to try. We're going to make an effort. We're going to make an effort, and it is, after all, a Rugby World Cup here, so, like, that's going to add extra stakes. They're always, you know, everybody, everybody loves the World Cup. You're going to love the World Cup. Like, I, I, I guarantee you, like, rugby could be an absolute cunt this year and be an absolute piece of shit. It'd be the worst thing I've ever watched in my life. All year. There could be controversy, there could be fucking gender roles and gender hires everywhere. And then, you know, fucking, yeah, World Cup comes around, I start getting patriotic and I get up and I get behind the boys. But, yeah, I don't want it to be like that though. I I honestly, like, it might just be the nostalgia talking. It might just, you know... Maybe there's just nothing there in rugby for me anymore. Maybe, like, I've just grown to a point where the overcomplication and fucking bullshit that comes with the game is just too much. That the, it's the people running it and people making decisions, just making it the biggest joke of a sport in the world. 
might just be too much to look past. But you know what? It's It's been long enough. I've been away from rugby for a while now. I was dipping my toes back in. You said just checking in, just saying, hey, seeing what's up. But you know what? I think I'm ready. I'm ready to fall, to fall in love again. I'm ready to put myself out there again. And I could get hurt. I could. I could. I'm, you know, I'm going into this with the full knowledge and expectation that there is a possibility I could get hurt again. But I'm willing to take that risk because, you know, I want that relationship with rugby. I want it. I, I, I genuinely do. And I think rugby wants me. That's the thing. Deep down, I know, you know, I know I, I know there's the potential for that relationship there. It used to be so great just years ago. But, you know, that's all we can do is we can just wait and see. But uh, anyway, fucking Crusaders and Chiefs tomorrow night. Kicking off the Super Rugby season. And, uh, yeah, man. Fucking, it's going to be a good game. Crusaders bringing out a good lineup. Front row, you got Fletcher Newell, tie head prop, good young tie head prop, gonna be the tie head prop of the future, if you ask me. And uh, Joe Moody, Cody Taylor, solid front row there. Sam Whitelock's out, he got a concussion, he got a concussion, but that's okay, that happens, got a concussion in the last preseason game. What are you gonna tell Sammy? Fucking take it easy in a preseason game? No, can't, like, that's never gonna happen. So, you know. That is what it is. And he's so you got fucking Scotty Barrett and Mitchell Dunchy. Mitchell Dunchy, solid player, been injured. Been injured. But, you know, nice to see him getting his opportunity because, you know, that third lock spot is open. It is wide open. But, uh, you know, in loose four trio, we've got solid trio, best. Loose four trio in the fucking competition, if you ask me. Young trio. You got uh, Ethan Blackadder at six. Fucking best six in the world, if you ask me. Tom Christie, the cunt, at open side flanker. I won't go into the details. I won't put the man on blast, but me and him have a history. He's not that bad of a guy, actually. I never had anything personally wrong with him. I just I just, I just, I just think he's a cunt. But um, number eight, we've got Cullen Grace, the man from Timaru. The man that the All Blacks just completely fucking seemed like blacklisted last year. Confused about that decision with how shit our loose four trio was, especially our sixes and eights when, you know, the obvious contender for that starting position on the blind side of the scrum, Ethan Blackadder got injured right at the end of the Super Rugby season. <coughs> Which took him out, so fuck man. Don't know why he got didn't get it. But then rounding it out, you got Mitchell Drummond, who, again, from all accounts that I've heard from him, is an absolute pest of a human being, but solid enough halfback. With Richie Moanga. Midfield, you got Jack Goodhue. Hopefully he's back and good with Braden Enor. Because uh, David Harvey's starting at fullback, because no Will Jordan. Will Jordan's still getting these migraines. Still getting these weird migraines. Hopefully that doesn't build into something else. But, uh, and then on the wings, you got Lester Fanganuku and Severus to round out your starting 15 for the Crusaders. So it's going to be a 
Good game for the boys. Chiefs looking good. Chiefs looking good. Chiefs have got a good team. And uh, it's going to be tough. Shout out. Shout out to uh, Solomon Alamali. Starting right wing for the Chiefs this weekend. Good to see him getting back. And, you know, he's a, he's a tough, tough couple of years, old Solomon. Uh, you know, used to play with him back in the day, back in the first 15 days. That's right. You know, you know, little minor flicks there. I know I, I play, I shared the footy field with him in the same team. But, um, yeah, man. So, you know, I wouldn't say I was mates with him, but knew the guy enough to know he was a good dude. And yeah, he's had his struggles the last couple of years. Went down to the Highlanders, had some mental health problems. This was open up, opened up about that. And good to see that he's, you know, probably gone back to more comfortable surroundings. He seemed to be doing well up in the Waikato and for the Chiefs. And uh, yeah, looks like, you know, he's found his spot. I think it's good for him to stay there. I think he obviously fits in well with the team. Must like, you know, enjoy life a bit more up there than he does down in Dirty Dunners, which I can't blame him because that place is a shithole. Ah, but yeah, so, don't know what to expect, well, I I expect the Crusaders to win, but like, early season, you never know what's going to happen, and the Chiefs are a good team, but uh, yeah, yeah, old Razor, Razor, Razor Robinson, Robertson, it's going to be his last year, first game, last first game for Scott Razor Robertson this weekend. It's going to be tough, man. He's brought so many good memories. So many fucking good memories. And he's such a sexy fucking man. Honestly. Like, is there a better human being? Is there? Is there a better human being? I don't think there is. So, <laughs> hold on, I'm just going to pause. This is a little bit of ruckus going on outside just going to resume the podcast there momentarily uh the ruckus the ruckus that i had to stop the podcast before was because uh my cat my my beloved cat baloo was scratching at the door meowing and crying for attention so i picked him up brought him into the room and he's right now he's snuggling into my chest. He's snuggling. Listen to him. Listen to him, Pat. Listen to him. Listen. Yeah, man. That's right. Who says I don't get pussy? But, um, yeah, man. So, I'm just going to pause this again. And, uh, you know, just continue giving this cat the attention that he's craving. And about to beat down my door for. And I'll be back in a second. Anyway, sorry about that, uh, but kids, eh, what are you going to do when they start crying for your attention? You can't just leave them, you got to, you know, you got to pick them up, hold them, just soothe them, soothe them, calm them down, and, you know, get on with your day. But, it, you know, it's just a sidetrack, hey, you know, that's an element, it's an element you wouldn't get in the sesh wagon, you wouldn't have me fucking pausing the podcast to go fucking pick up and pat my cat for a minute and let you listen in on that because I'm sure that's exactly what you guys want to hear but uh yeah man he's still scratching at my door so if you hear that that's him I think I'm just going to ignore him because uh he's got enough of my attention I've got a job to do I've got bills to pay but anyway fucking Razor Razor Robinson Scott Razor Robinson the sexiest man alive and I mean sexy 
is in a full package. Like, he's got the looks, he's got the personality, he's got the attitude, he's got the confidence, he's got the brains. You know, can handle himself in front of the camera. Just absolute smooth talker, absolute alpha male to the T. Just like the alpha male of Canterbury and even New Zealand. Should be the alpha male of New Zealand soon because he should be the next fucking All Blacks coach. He should be the current All Blacks coach if we're going to be real here. Like, you know, we went all through it last year talking about how the fuck Ian Foster managed to catch keep his job all season while doing a fucking atrocious job. But fuck me, bro. If Razor isn't the fucking coach after this World Cup, uh, you know, because unless we win it, but even then, you can't, I don't know, it'd be tough. I, I want him to win it, but, you know, but, you know. Anyway, Razor should be the next all Blacks coach. That's what I'm trying to say here. But the problem is, the problem is, should he even take it? Should he even take it? Because New Zealand rugby is an absolute fucking shambles. It's a shit show. It's an utter shit show. The latest shit show is this week you've had Ian Foster, but the current All Blacks coach, go on a bit of a media blitz, a quick media tour. He did like four big interviews in one day on all the major sporting journalist networks here in Aotearoa. But, uh, yeah, he's just, he ain't, he ain't a happy chappy with fucking New Zealand rugby. And I can't blame him because they're kind of fucking him over. Basically what's happening is they're saying they're going to make a decision on who the next All Black coach is going to be after the World Cup. So it's not going to be an immediate decision. It's not going to be a decision where this comes into effect immediately. They're going to make a call, make an announcement on the next All Blacks coach post-World Cup sometime around April-May. That's all they've said. Effectively, I think what they've said is, you know, it's business speak. They're going to plan to fucking make an announcement in the second quarter of the year. I don't know what the fuck that has to do with anything, you know. But to give you context, if you don't know, the World Cup's going to be in October. So... What it looks like is going to happen. It looks like the All Blacks New Zealand Rugby are looking to name the next head coach for post-World Cup this year. About six months, maybe, before the World Cup even happens. And it's clear if they're doing that, they're not going to stick with Ian Foster. They're going to go with another coach. And I'm hoping that coach is Razor. And really, it's up to him. Because if he wants it, it will be. But I can't blame him if he doesn't want it. Because this is a fucked up call by New Zealand Rugby. Because how are you going to... How do you expect Ian Foster and all those coaches that are still there right now to fucking perform well? And, you know, be 100% fully focused on preparing the team for the World Cup and doing their best damn job they possibly can... When they, when they know they're fucking gone. They know they're gone. Regardless of what they're going to be able to do with this World Cup. They're done. Effectively. 
allegedly, suspectedly. But you know, because I don't know if you've ever if you've ever worked a job and known that you're leaving in the next few months. Uh, are you putting any effort into that job? <laughs> I would say probably not. Who the fuck's this message? Okay, this cunt wants me to buy him drugs. Um, I'm going to have to politely decline. I'm not your drug dealer, bro. I'm a podcaster slash comedian. But anyway, you ever had a job where you know, you just know you're leaving in a few months and they've been cunts to you? Like, it's not like, you know, you want to stay in perfect world, you would stay and they want you to stay. It's it's basically like, you know, they're told... The, they're basically going to tell him that they're firing him, but in six months' time, regardless of his performance. If you got told that at your current job, they were cunts to you, like, regardless whether you've done a shit job or a good job, because, let's face it, he's done a... He's done a pretty average job. But, you know, regardless of that... You're not going to put your best effort in there, no matter how hard you try. Because when things get shit, things get tough, you're going to start looking out for yourself. And what coach do you want that is only looking out for himself? A shit coach. That's a shit coach. That's an incredibly shit coach. That's not a coach that's going to win. And do you think the players are going to fully listen to his shit? Especially the players that aren't starting. Things are going poorly. The players that aren't, you know... The younger guys that are like, oh, fuck this guy. He's gone in six months. I don't need to fucking listen to anything he's fucking saying. It's just going to ruin the team, ruin the culture. And New Zealand rugby are complete fucking idiots. Like, it's all, it's like, it would make sense to do this for a position like some bullshit corporate position where... You know, what the work this person is doing is, like, controlled by a higher-up and they can just not give them any important shit. And the only reason they're keeping them on is to basically keep them on for the end of the contract so that they don't have to, you know, get in, basically pay them out any of their fucking other shit and then still replace them and have to pay someone. So basically having to pay someone for the same job twice. So they're just going to give them all the bullshit jobs, nothing of importance, and hold them in there. Like, I don't, that's basically kind of what they're doing. But they haven't realized that, like, the head coach is a pretty, like, it's like, it's a pretty fucking significant position. And it's a public-facing position, so it's not like in a business where your fucking references and shit and referee, you know, your reputation, your fucking relationships or everything, like, no one actually sees you in the public eye and has a public record of what you actually do, so... You know, if you got told that in a big fucking corporate position, you're just going to have to sit down and shut up. Because if you piss them off too much, then you're not going to be able to get another job somewhere. Ian Foster knows everything, like, is public. (laughs) And, like, regardless, you know, within coaches, his reputation is, within the coaching community, is probably going to stay mostly the same, unless he does something fucking ridiculous. But, yeah, man, that's just fucking stupid. It's just this corporate fucking equal opportunity. Like, that's the biggest problem. The biggest problem is the whole is the New Zealand rugby board as a whole. And the problem with the New Zealand rugby board as a whole is that it has it has been basically mandated by the government that there has to be at least fifty percent women on the sport. 
which makes no sense. It's not representative of the rugby playing population. It's not representative of the rugby watching population. It's not even representative of, you know, the leadership business fucking minded good leading people in the country. Because we all know those are male-dominated dom- fields. So, for the, to, in order to be 50% females on the sport, there are, there are women that don't know shit about rugby, don't know shit about how to run business, anywhere near as much as people that are already on the board or should be on the board. So, it's just going to be an absolute fucking chaotic mess. And honestly, this is why, because this wasn't just New Zealand rugby that the government mandated this whole 50% fucking woman have to be in positions of management and power. This is all sports. It's effectively the same as the whole South African like apartheid laws for their sports teams. And like saying they have to have so many black people in their teams. And it's not even like 50% or like a representative population of, because South Africa is like 90% black. So it's, un, you know, statistical probability if your country is 90% one color, it, you know, your sports teams should be in the ballpark of that. So like 70%, 60%. Minimum, like, that's, that's, if all things being equal, that's reasonable. And it's because all things haven't been equal, and they were drastically not equal. And so they basically have to do some making up to do. Like, I don't agree with that policy either, but it kind of makes sense. This is like the revert, the, like, the feminism equivalent of this. But, like, in management, and corporate fucking, in the corporate world, in the decision-making world. And... You know what? What? What is one thing that all women are not good at? This isn't me being sexist. This is from life experience. Like, fellas, like, what is one thing that every woman you've ever met in your life is not good at? Because, like, you know, some of them are bad at giving blowjobs. Some of them are bad at cooking. Some of them can't clean, but like, there are definitely women out there that are good at blowjobs. There are great women that are great cooks, and there's plenty of women that know how to fucking clean. But what's one thing that you've never met a woman in your life is any good at ever? And that's making decisions. So, and because of this, like, they're not just trying to subtly bump up the numbers so it's closer to a representative popula- um, percentage of the population. They're trying to make it damn fucking equal straight off the bat. So this is such a drastic change. Like, maybe if you, like, waited a generation and you started by, like, putting school-aged skills, like, into leadership programs that actually do something because none of the ones that they have now do anything. But, like, if you just... I don't know, maybe taught them how to make good, rational decisions. What am I thinking? That's damn near impossible. But if you tried really hard, you invested in university courses and spent thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars 
to educate women into just making decisions and for a generation, like 20, 30 years, so that but by the time these kids were adults and in their 40s and 50s and had successful business careers, they were able to make decisions close to the level of the men. If you waited that long before introducing a law like this, it would at least not be completely catastrophic. And what's happened is they've gone too hard too early. And like, they're trying to act like women have been, if we're comparing it to apartheid and like the treatment of black Africans in South Africa by the white minority over decades, you know, if we want to compare that to just like sexism and quotes and all that stuff where you know, women get it so hard in life. They get it so damn hard. They get me hard. That's what they get hard. But anyway, you know, they're trying to equate two things there, which are nowhere near each other in fucking catastrophe, fucking level of terribleness. And yeah, so basically... Basically, basically, basically what is basically happening here is that basically these women are fucking up the most basic of decisions and these basic bitches need to get back in the fucking kitchen or blowing my cock or fucking clean them up bedroom for me. I don't know. I don't know. That bit got weird. I don't know where we went there. But the point of the, like the serious point of this, the serious actual point is that this is happening throughout this country it's been mandated by the government it's only just come in in the last couple of years and what's what have we noticed what have we noticed i'm talking to you new zealand sports fan what have we noticed over the last couple of years with our major sports and their decision making discounting netball because netball has always been fucked because it's always been run by women it's the only one we let we let them fuck that one up like, you know, they can they can deal with that all the fucking way over there. But let's just use our two biggest examples, cricket and rugby. Since this law was brought in, I'm going to say 2019. I'm going to do a quick Google, get some facts for you, because we're going to do some investigative journalism. When New Zealand... Law, women, board members. That's what we'll Google. This is what we're Googling. When did this come in? Um, Alright, cool bro. Less than, th- I don't care. Um... Fucking sports. I can't find anything. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. Alright. Alright, so yeah, here we go. Because New Zealand Rugby... New Zealand Rugby didn't even make it, like... And it's 40%. Let's be... It's mandated 40%. So most are going 50. We got this. But anyway, when did this come in? This is from... Sport New Zealand, which is the governing body of, you know, 
all sport in the country. And basically, they mandated that by December 2021, all sporting boards had to have at least 40% women, or they'd be fined out the wazoo. So even I'm giving shit to New Zealand rugby, and they didn't. They missed the quota. Just they just missed the quota. But uh, they missed the quota. But every, they were the only ones that did. So every other, every other sport had to have at least forty percent women on their fucking board making decisions. And we know they can't make decisions. So that's why New Zealand sport is going down the gurgler. It starts in the boardroom. Like professional sport is getting fucked over. Look at cricket. Prime example. What what happened immediately? Let's look up another article here because I want to get some facts to you. New Zealand cricket women's pay. This is another bullshit bit of bullshit. All right. (laughs) New Zealand women cricketers get match fee parity with men. New Zealand professional women's and men's cricketers are set to receive the same match fees in an agreement struck between New Zealand cricket and the six major associations and the New Zealand Cricket Players Association. Do you know what those all of those boards have in common? They have to have 40% women on their board. So this is the first fucking terrible decision. The five-year deal first and which the men's and women's professional environments have been combined in one agreement, so there we go, combining them all, while mean, will mean the White Ferns and domestic women's players receive equal match fees to their men across all their formats and competition. However, New Zealand's professional men's players will earn much higher retainers based on the increased number of matches played, formats, contestants, time spent training and playing. So they're still getting paid more, more overall. But, let's face it, what the fuck's going on here? In what world do the White Ferns, New Zealand's women cricket team, ever deserve as much money as the Black Apps for the same amount of work? Because they don't. They don't draw in amount, anywhere near the same amount of audience. They don't draw in any near, you know, they don't put themselves through anywhere near the same amount of physical exertion. They're not doing anywhere near the same amount of work. They're not bringing in anywhere near the same amount of money. And and this has happened, and our women's team is still fucking dog shit. They couldn't even make the semis of the T20 World Cup. They lost to Bangladesh, who they bet by like 160 runs in T20s when they played them six months ago. So it's gone dramatically worse. It's not even helping them. They've gotten lazy. You pay these women and they get fucking lazy. That's what happened. And what's happened to the Black Caps? Trent Bolt. Just going to chase the money. Do you think he was happy about this? Do you think he was thinking, I should be getting way more money than I'm earning right now, and I can earn it if I go off and play in these fucking 2020 leagues, and I've been told by my national body that the money just isn't there, but hold on, suddenly, hold on, wait a minute, suddenly, suddenly, all this money has come up available for these fucking ladies who don't deserve it. So, anyway, I'm blowing the alarm here. I'm blowing the alarm. That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm trying to do. There's not much else I can do because all I have is this platform. But if you're in New Zealand 
and you're wondering why the fuck are all our sports going to absolute dog shit, blame the ladies. Anyway, and the Labor government, because they passed this law. Fuck you, Jacinda Ardern. Anyway, see you guys later. I'm going to try and get up on stage again Sunday, Church of Comedy at the Good Times Comedy Club. Uh, should definitely be back on next Wednesday. If you're in, if you're around, if you're in the city, come down, check me out. Usually about 7pm, 7.30pm, I think these shows kick off. But uh, yeah, I might put it up on my Twitter if I remember exactly when I'm performing, when I remember to find that out. So come see me, fags. Bye.